0: I uh, just kind of want to jump into one thing. Um, man, if you um, are looking for something to do in 2019 and you're kind of excited uh, about the year, um, we have just completed a full cycle of a, of a ministry called Reengage in our church. And uh, we just launched this past year. It's a ministry that's focused on strengthening marriages. And um, it's been a burden of mine. It's been growing for years and God has provided leadership. In fact, I issued out personal invitations of people asking if they would be willing to be involved in this ministry. And so we've just completed a full cycle. So if you're headed into this year and you say, man, honey, it'd be a good thing to like focus on our marriage, maybe strengthen some things, um, maybe, or maybe your marriage is in kind of on a um, kind of whitewater rapid, um, kind of big rock sort of situation right now. This would be a great thing for you to plug into and also to get to know some people in our church. Um, you do have to be married. It's not like a place for you to meet somebody. I mean, this is kind of like you, you, should, should go in there with a partner of some kind, you know, and, uh, and, and be part of that. But, um, if, if you would like to be part of that, I, I understand you can sign up at alivewesting.info. And I think you go to the grow tab and then there's a place to sign up for reengage. You should consider that. Uh, that'd be an awesome thing. So, um, here, here's what I want to encourage your heart with right out of the gate. Apparently, um, only about, uh, 8% of people will actually keep their new year's resolutions. So why try, right? I mean, those of you that are going to bust the curve, go ahead. We don't care. We're not even going to try, right? How about this one? By February, 80% of our resolutions will fail. Yay, I'm so glad I came to church today. This is exciting. So in fact, the sociologists actually have a name for this, um, this idea that we all focus on physical things, especially at the beginning of the year. And so we all say, well, we're going to go to the gym, we're going to exercise, we're going to do all those kind of things. And if you've ever been a part of a gym year round, you've noticed that like January, you can't get on a machine or you can't find the weights or whatever. But then February it's all back to normal, right? I mean, and and sociologists call this the fitness cliff. There's actually a term for this where people start the year strong, and by February, you're off the wagon, so to speak. So we start the year with kind of like we want to lose weight, start exercising, eat healthier, grow hair, I don't know, get organized, drink less, quit smoking, whatever it is you want to to do. And all these things are really good, Certainly caring for our bodies is a valuable area that we should all sort of focus on, and that's a good thing. But to treat only the body is to sort of set up our, for ourselves, to, to kind of set up only physical goals, is really just to try to, to treat symptoms, in my, in, in my opinion. In, in other words, if we detox the body, do some kind of juice cleanse or whatever people do, I've never done one, I just read about it, you know, just kind of just cleanse for the body, but we fail to detox the soul... Then we're only actually addressing part of the issues that we're carrying around or that we're wrestling with. And this 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 detoxing the soul is what this whole series is gonna try to focus on. Let me see if I can explain my, my position on this from scripture. So if we go back to the very beginning of scripture, these are like the first two chapters in the Bible. And this is what this is what the scriptures say. Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. That word's nephesh, which is, actually means soul. Now just pause here long enough for this. Because I think this verse contains one of the most neglected identity markers of the modern church and maybe of humanity. And I know it's a strong statement, so you guys need to form your opinion to see whether or not you agree with me on this. I think this may contain one of the most neglected parts respectfully of our lives even as a live community even if you're just visiting maybe this is something that you say you know that's probably true for me and here's here's the, here's what i'm trying to say we aren't actually a body with a soul we are first a soul that happens to have a body now that is completely upside down thinking than what the majority of us probably brought into this place because we are constantly under pressure to make our bodies better We want them to look better, smell better, perform better, whatever we're going to do to make them better. And consequently, our bodies can become the focus to so much of what we do and do not do. Not only that, but when it comes to what makes us most happy in this life, the bodies is the first place we visit. Our bodies will make us happy. If it feels good to our bodies, we should do it. If we don't like our bodies, we should change it, starve it, cleanse it, whatever And we focus on the physical parts of our lives and then we're surprised when our relationships are going to pot or our inner worlds are getting thrown into chaos or we're struggling with all these emotional battles or people don't like us or our hearts are becoming calloused and we're like, man, I don't get it. I'm in the best shape of my life. But scripture goes to these great lengths, I think, to explain that our bodies are are actually connected to our souls and it's not your body that's the eternal part of you it's actually the soul that's the eternal part of you check this out jeremiah god speaking to jeremiah and he says this before i formed you so what that means is before tom got all up in this terrible shape condition whatever happened here before this was formed in the womb i knew you how about how about them apples so before you were sitting there in your physical area temple whatever it is we got going on god knew you before there was a body before you were born i set you apart and look look at this this is a psalmist you created my inmost being touch your inmost being yeah that's your soul people For you created my soul, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Now these verses, they're all through Scripture, you can find them yourself, but when we die, our body dies, but our soul lives somewhere forever. That's why in our culture, even though your body might not be amazing, or even your body might actually have a challenge to it, you still have incredible value because we have souls you follow we have a soul and so if you're by what i've said so far i think it leads to a very important question that everybody ought to have an answer to and the way i would ask the question is this what is the state of your soul what is the state condition of your soul Now, of course, part of the answer that you might think has to do with salvation. Oh, Tom's going to do salvation. We're going to sing, just as I am. We're going to come to the altar. I know know that. And and that's important. I mean, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you asked God to forgive you for your sin? All that kind of stuff is important. King David, who had like a major flare-up in his life of negativity and actually sinned, he, he, he summarized what God could do to his soul this way. He said, create in me a pure heart renew a steadfast spirit within me this is an important step when caring for the soul does god has god saved you that's an important thing but it's not what i want to go after in this series what i'd like for us to talk about in this series isn't so much salvation i want to try to dig a little deeper something a little more nuanced because in If we just did salvation, that sounds horrible, and I'm probably not going to have a good eternity because I just said that. But if we just focus on salvation, we're going to miss what it might have, what the message might be for us in Scripture. So I want to chase down questions like these to believers. Is your soul healthy? Is your soul healthy? Let's say this. Is your soul heavy or anxious? Is that part of your soul? And today, the one I want to go after, because I'm such an expert at, is, is your soul restless? So how is your soul doing? What is the state of your soul, the condition of your soul? Yeah, Tom, Jesus has me, but man, I got a heavy heart today. Man, my, man, I, I'm anxious. How's it doing? And I'm, I have to tell you, I, I, I know what it is to have a restless soul, and maybe you do too. I know what it is to be searching all the time and then never really finding. I know what it is to be interested in everything, but then satisfied by nothing. And then we try to find rest for our bodies, but we never really find rest for our souls. We're anxious, or we're tense, or we're driven, or we're worried, or we're concerned, or... And our minds just don't seem to know how to shut down. And so our souls don't, sh- don't shut down. And when we try to rest at night, internally, our soul doesn't rest. If, th- if that's you, then you know what it is to have a restless soul. If-, if it's you, let me encourage you with these words. If you're kind of, I'm not the only one here, short of idea. The wisest dude that's ever lived put these words on paper in Ecclesiastes. He says, what does it profit a person... To kind of get for all the toil and anxious striving with which the person labors under the sun. All of their days, his work, his pain, his grief, even at night, their mind does not rest. Smartest dude that ever lived. You ever find your mind keeps going at night? I had one of these last night. It was so funny. I was laying in bed laughing when my mind wasn't, re- wasn't sleeping and my soul wasn't at rest because I knew I was going to talk to you people about soul rest. I mean, I was up at 2 o'clock. I said, well, I'll go get some cough medicine. You know, we can't drink. So, you know, go get some cough medicine. You know, I tried that for a while. <laughs> you do what you got to do. You know, just kind of... Man, I did just a little cough medicine, put it on ice, you know, I mean, I did all that kind of stuff, you know, I, I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> and so I tossed and turned, and you know, I'd, I'd get one problem solved, then I'd kind of go to sleep, and then I'd think, oh, another problem, and then I would wake up for that problem. I mean, all night long, just flipped over and over, in different problems in my life. So let me ask you something. Have you ever found yourself wound up so much inside of you that it's difficult to calm down your soul? Have you ever found yourself to be with people you love? And you can't shut your mind or your soul down. And it rarely finds deep rest. How about this? Mass confession by raising your hands. If you have ever had a restless soul, as best as I've described, would you just be willing to raise your hand with me across the room? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, people. If you've ever tried cough medicine, would you be willing to just kind of... <clears throat> if you tried something else that cough medicine has in it, but not... you know that, that's, uh, Yeah. So where in the world... Are we supposed to find rest for our souls? You know what David said in a psalm? He said it this way. Check this out. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. I almost wish this wasn't in there. Because you probably expected me as a pastor to tell you that. But that's exactly what scripture teaches right there. So I'm not trying to get all preacher on you. I'm trying to show brother and sister how we do life. But apparently my soul and your soul, respectfully, the eternal part of who we are, who I am in essence, get this, only, from that word, finds rest in God alone. All the things that I have tried to find rest for my soul, Scripture says only finds rest in God. And this is massive. If you believe, if you're a believer, if you have a relationship, if you consider your relationship with God to be good or maybe not the best, I suggest this verse might hold key to a better quality of life. Because whatever this verse is saying, what it's saying is this ready? There is no person. There is no thing, there is no experience, there is no vacation, there is no dream home, there is no paycheck or no amount of money, there is no partner, there is no sexual conquest, there is no job, there is no level of achievement, there is no certificate on your wall, there is nothing according to scripture, no thing outside of God that can bring rest to the essence of who I am. My soul finds rest in God alone. And if you don't believe this part, you'll never understand what Jesus said. Because Jesus then would say this in the context of this verse. Jesus would say, all y'all come to me, (laughs) you who are weary and burdened. And I, Jesus Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you, check this out. This is Jesus speaking. So like if he said it, it's true. It's got to be real. You, maybe, you just might. It's possible. What Jesus said is, you absolutely will find rest for your soul and save a lot of money on cough syrup. (laughs) So where do we find true rest? Well, Scripture says it's only found in God and God alone. So as someone who knows what it is to have a restless night, the next question I would ask Scripture is this. How? Okay, I believe God what you're saying I don't have any trouble there. What I want to know is how. How do I find that rest? I mean, I'm in a room full of people who did a mass confession, and we all said, "You know, I've had a restless night or two in my life." I mean, the scripture has my attention at this point, but how do I find that st- that stinking rest? And so, what I I would like to do is kind of just share a bit of Tom' journey and this year' journey, and so. Um, and 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 try to share some practical things if you want to take this journey with me as i start 2019 um and now this is please this isn't some recipe anybody tries to put a relationship with jesus in a recipe turn and run this isn't a recipe you don't take you know two of these things this afternoon and call me in the morning and say it's a miracle i've been rested i'm rested forever it is not going to happen but these are practices they're disciplines if you will They're a little bit like sleep. They're necessary patterns in one's life that we should consider to find rest for our soul. Are you with me? So let me give you the first one, see if I can clear these things up. Be still before God. If you have a restless soul, start by being still before God. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. For some of you, why you're here today is you need to know it's not your name that's in Scripture. It's not be still and know, Tom, that you are God. It's actually be still and know, Tom, that you're actually not God. That's my position. That's what I do, not you. Notice what the psalmist doesn't say. The psalmist doesn't say, be busy and know that I am God. God. The psalmist doesn't say, be productive and know that I am God. Be worried and know that I am God. Be a professional, anxious person and know that I am God. Hey, be all revved up on the inside and help me carry the travails of the world. Know that I am God. He doesn't even say, be active and know that I am God. I'm reading this book uh, by Thaddeus Barnum. Um, by called real courage. And he's got several, he's got, like real identity, real love, real mercy, real courage. If you're interested in any of these, um, I know they're at the end of the sermon notes. I also understand it was released on Facebook uh, sometime this morning. You can go click on it and see what, see what it is. But basically Thaddeus Barnum writes in these 50 day devotions, it takes you like three minutes to read one of them. And, um, and he'll have a scripture piece in there. And then he'll tell some story of some pastoral care thing he's been working with. Fascinating, amazing writer. And so anyway, I'm reading Thaddeus Barnum's book, Real Courage, and um, started reading it in December. So he tells about this time when he's counseling a pastor who is broken, burned out. Um, He's got a health issue going on and actually had their home got broken in. I mean, just a whole bunch of stuff. And in this moment, the pastor reaches out to Thaddeus Barnum and says, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. He's emotional. He's discouraged. He's desperate. He's depressed. And so, so Barnum helps in caring for this guy, and he gets him connected to a health person, gets him connected to a counselor, and then Barnum is his pastor and kind of guides him through all these different battles he's going through. And, and so he tells all these stories about these times of, of interacting with his pastor. And many of the conversations the two of them had were laced with tears and prayers and kind of a, a, a compilation of both of those. One day, Barnum calls this pastor up, and it was like someone had flipped a switch, Barnum writes. This pastor had gone from being desperate and broken and, and discouraged to saying, I'm fine, everything's fine, overnight. Overnight. You know what happened? You know what happened to create that switch, such a strong change? The pastor went back to work. The pastor went back to work. He shoved everything down that was broken in his soul. And he went back to the environment where he felt he was in control and he could be most productive. He went from being still to being active he left the school of being and re-enrolled in the school of doing if you will and as a result his soul remained empty in fact his soul remained neglected and something happened but i'm not going to tell you what in case you decide to read the book That's not just that pastor's story. Isn't it kind of this pastor's story? Maybe your story too? When the soul's kind of, I just get back to work. Sometimes I read verses like this and I think, man, that's impossible. I can't do that. How in the world are you supposed to quiet yourself? King David said this. King David, by the way, who had some things on his plate probably, he said... I have stilled and quieted my soul. That's why nobody likes you, King David. I mean, what in the world? And then he, he, he gives you a picture. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So I share that to simply say this. I don't know that I've attained this, but I do believe it's possible to quiet our souls. So I have a challenge for your consideration because I'm challenging myself with it. Here's the challenge. You ready? For 2019, practice being still before God for five minutes. Just be still before God for only five minutes. Let me give you a little thing that I've learned so far this year. Don't use the counter on your phone to try to be still before God. Because you're sitting there trying to be still before God, and all of a sudden, oh, so-and-so got a puppy. (laughs) You know, that's awesome, (laughs) don 't use the phone. use the sun that 's what I do no i 'm just kidding. Just five minutes so so get out. theres used to wear these things around our wrists before they got all big and obnoxious. They were called just a simple watch. and so like you could do it, and now you have to try something else, but five minutes and just focus on now this is hard for me, as you all might imagine. I mean, I'm a doer, and being is sometimes tough for me. I like to fix, be productive. My experience with this isn't always great. I, I hit the stopwatch, and I'm going for, like, seems like forever. God, hello. Um, oh, how long has it been? 20 seconds. you got to be kidding me. You know, like, uh, uh, God, this is so boring. You know, I mean, I kind of have those kinds of conversations. Why do I have to do this? And then you think, oh, uh, I wonder what the score of the game was. You know, you've got to have those moments. I wonder what the weather's going to be. Maybe for you, it'd be like, uh, oh, baby's diaper needs changing, and the laundry needs to be done, or a car needs to be washed, or you got to go grocery stop shopping. Oh, someone probably did something amazing on Facebook that will change my life forever. You know, all those things. But I'm trying. So if you can identify with being restless in your soul, one of the disciplines I'd encourage you with is this daily spend five minutes being still before God. Just five minutes. Not when you're driving in your car. That's not it. Not when you're sitting somewhere at your house. That's not it either. There it goes. It's kind of like a wave. (laughs) Because all these usually ladies will come and tell me, well, my husband gets five minutes. I get it. I get it. And I don't, it's too much information. I really don't want to know. No more cough medicine on Saturday night cuz I run down rabbit trails I shouldn't do right here in this moment right now. But just 5 minutes it's just God's. Just be still. Just God's. Not God and driving, God and cooking, just God. 5 minutes, just 5 minutes. Be still for the sole purpose of knowing him and nothing else. Don't ask him for anything. Just five minutes to know God. That's the first practice. The second one I would recommend for us to consider this year if we're looking to kind of help arrest the soul is this wait for God. Are you pulling these out of your hat, Tom? No, actually, it's tied together in Scripture rather conveniently. <laughs> Look at this one Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Uh, my accountability partner used to challenge me years ago about how he'd get into a waiting position and he'd wait, he'd picture like a a body of water in front of him and he would try to wait to the point where the the lake was calm and we used to joke because I get a body of water in front of me and it's whitewater rapids and it's never calm, you know (laughs) Psalmist says, "Be still and wait patiently." I am really good at being patient as long as it happens in a hurry. Have you, have you noticed that nothing that we truly value in our lives happens in a hurry? Relationships with our friends, spouse, children? You know what I've learned about Lise since she's not in this service. She is terrible at communication, especially when I'm very busy, too busy to pay attention. <laughs> What's, what is learning to relate to our Creator? What if that involves waiting? Andy Stanley, he's the pastor of North Point Church in Atlanta. It's a mega church. I mean, it's, a, it's an influencer. This guy, man, he speaks dozens of times a week. He was asked one time, he said, "Uh, how how do you stay really close to God? And I, I brought what he said. Listen to this. He said, I wake up early every day so I don't have to worry about the time. And I just open up God's word and I start to read his word and I wait for something to speak to me. And then when it speaks to me, I just stop and I meditate on what God said. He said, sometimes it might be just one verse. I read it one verse and I'm done. That's it. Sometimes it's a chapter. Sometimes it might be five chapters. But I'll just keep reading, and I wait until God speaks to me. And then I just let his word be planted deep within my soul. Now, come on, isn't there a part of you that says, wouldn't that be awesome if that was happened in my life? Isn't there another part of you that says, where does he find the time for that? He just wait. Scriptures one Psalm 130 says this. I wait for the Lord, King David. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. I had to look that image up just so we're kind of clear on what's happening here. And in, in the Old Testament, the watchmen would be on the walls of the city waiting to make sure the, the city was safe throughout the night. So they would be watching the walls, and then they would wait for their sun to come up when their shift would be over and they know every day that the sun will come up because since the beginning of time the sun has actually come up and so they know it's going to come up and so they say that god is going to show up i just wait just like the sun is going to come up god is going to show up if we wait so be still five minutes be still oh my soul before the lord and then Wait patiently on Him if you have a restless soul like I struggle with. One, one more practice, and I'll, I'll stop. Reflect on the goodness of God. You would think that would be a no-brainer. But what I found is that oftentimes when I go to God i go to God with the things I need. Things I'd like for him to fix. As if, like, God may not be aware that the Packers missed the playoffs. And so I say, Lord, do you not know that this is happening, you know? Or do you not know what's going on at work, this situation? Here's what I would do to fix it. (laughs) And God's like, oh, I never thought of that. Thanks, Tom. I'm going to write that one down just in case I forget later. Reflecting on God's goodness for me means learning to think about all that God has already done, not what I long for God to do. Psalm 116. Be at rest once more, O my soul. It's all through the pages of Scripture. For the Lord has been good to you. Even you. Whatever circumstances in your life, my life, He's been good to you. I'm going to tell you how in a minute. For you, O Lord, look at this, have delivered my soul from death, My eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. Remember what the Lord has done. And if you struggle with it, just allow me to kind of share with you where my mind's been going as I've started the year. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's primarily who we're talking to this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I just remind you that He's forgiven you? You're a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, and the new has come, and that should bring rest to your soul. Can I remind you that God doesn't actually hold your sins against you, but they're actually cast forever into the sea of forgetfulness? That should calm your soul. So when you go to God, you don't need to remind him of your sin. He's already cast him in the sea of forgetfulness. What we need to do is receive the fact that he's forgot your sin. Maybe you should too. If Satan can't make us bad, Satan's going to make us busy. That's what I'm convinced of. That's what's going to happen. And so he knows that will, that will result in soul neglect because he's seen it in all of our lives. And some of our souls are just too deadgum busy. This is a season of busyness in my personal life. All kinds of the demands and the expectations and the added responsibilities. And I've discovered I have to still my soul. I have to wait for the Lord, and I'm working to purposefully and intentionally stop and quiet my soul. I'm trying to learn this, to sit down and be still. and. I wait for the Lord and I just reflect on what he has done, not what I want him to do. And I think about the names of God, or I think about his provisions and his goodness, or I'll quote scripture, any that comes to mind, or I'll read scripture, or I'll remember all the prayers that God has answered throughout my life. And I'll think about his faithfulness and I'll remember that he's delivered my soul from death. So reflect on who he is. He's He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. What that means is he's completion. He's everything. He's got it. Nothing's going to surprise him in your life or in my life. He's never going to be taken back. Oh, I didn't see that coming. That never happens when you're God. He's the one who was and is to come. He's been here. He's here, and one day he comes again. We follow Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, and he's the Lion of Judah. He he is the soon-returning, conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. We serve a God who is so big that he's working in all things to bring about good, even those crappy things in our lives that we wish had never happened or wish weren't part of our lives, and we have been called. He to do that in all of our lives We are called according to his purpose, and he says, you will be blessed coming in and blessed going out by God. He's the one that declares, I've got a plan for you. You, personally, I've got this plan for you to do that. I've got a plan, and the plan that I have for you is to prosper you and bless you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. Think on those things. And when you meditate on him and you're worried about tomorrow, suddenly you realize He's already in tomorrow. He had you yesterday. He's got you today. So let's stop fretting over tomorrow. It's probably going to happen whether we're worried about it or not. Let's let God take over and have control. And because he was faithful yesterday, you he know he's going to be faithful tomorrow. Just like the watchman on the wall. And your soul can be at rest as we learn to reflect on God and to be still and to wait. Listen. Listen. God doesn't desire for the apple of his eye to be all riled up inside all the time. And by the help and the power and the presence of God, we all can live this productive, fruitful, and yes, even busy life, because you are very gifted, competent people. And yet be calm in your soul healthy in your soul, healed in your soul, whole in your soul. You know what my tell is when I know my soul's getting a fever? (laughs) It's my reactions to the people I love the most. That's when I know Reactions to people I love the most. I had some of that going on this morning, just being honest with you. I wasn't a total jerk, but I was paid a little jerk. It depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> just short answers. Do you know what I'm saying? Just kind of like, "How you feeling? Good. What shirt do you want to wear? I don't care. I know I'm working through it so I'm telling you people but I've learned that in the people I love the most my beautiful spouse my beautiful children our our staff that I live out of a part of my soul that's not at rest but when I am at rest my soul produces fruits of the spirit love and joy and peace patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness self-control you do what you want with it But you are not a body with a soul. You are actually a soul that happens to have a body. That's who you are. So are you caring for who you are? Jesus, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for giving this old boy some help as I think about finding rest for my soul. Thank you that I'm in a room full of folks that had enough trust that we could all say, yeah, I kind of get the rest of the soul idea. So it makes me aware that I'm not alone, that things that keep me awake at night may be keeping my friends in this room awake at night, friends watching along online. And Lord, I guess the thing that overwhelms me in this moment is you want my soul to have rest those pastoral eyes of you are looking across this congregation and you're landing on hearts saying hey, hey, I got this you can have rest be still, wait reflect how good I have been to you you can have rest So it's not like in your heart for any of us to live all riled up and anxious. But what's in your heart is for us to have deep rest. So, Lord, as I start this year, these people in this room that I'll be doing life with, may this be the year that we find rest for our souls. In your name. Amen.